Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. November 19, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Absolutely not so. Republicans have lost their minds a day after a unanimous vote to certify the results in Wayne County, Michigan, where Detroit is. The two Republicans on the board of canvassers now say, no, we want to rescind our vote after they got phone calls from Donald Trump. Then there was a news conference today with Rudy Giuliani. Y'all. If you don't think these people aren't on meth and crack, something is wrong with you. Wait until we show you the bizarre, crazy, undeniably nuts news conference where these folks actually invoke the dead dictator of Venezuela and George Soros. Just go ahead and throw some aliens in there while you're at it. Donald Trump continues to attack the election process and folks is getting real crazy. We'll also talk about the nuts and nuts so, uh, drama in Georgia. We'll chat with Congresswoman Lucy McBath about that, plus her new book. And a follow-up on a story we told you about yesterday, two teens killed by a cop in uh, Florida. Their attorney joins us with the details. Latest news about COVID, uh, as well as Milwaukee cop, a black cop responsible for fatally shooting three people over the last five years while on duty has finally quit. We'll tell you those details. Plus, the cops in Louisiana are defending how they handled the case of Kwan Ka- uh, Bobby Charles. Mm, yeah, we got issues. Plus, uh, folks, uh, just absolutely plus another crazy-ass white man. This dude in San Francisco, talk about an absolute undeniable racist. Wait to see this video. Y'all, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. 
sadistic, crazy, and out of their minds. There's no other way to describe Republicans who are fighting for Donald Trump. In Wayne County, Michigan, where Detroit is, talk about bizarre. Monica Palmer and William Hartman, the two Republicans on the board of canvassers, there are four, claimed and signed affidavits yesterday that they were bullied into siding with Democrats and have now rescinded their votes to certify the election. Here's the problem with that. You already voted, it was unanimous. And then Michigan, they're gonna certify the results on Monday. Now we find out that the reason they rescinded because they got a phone call from Donald Trump. Is he now tampering with the election process? Yeah. Now, Monica and Hartman, and Hartman's an absolute racist if you saw the post about Barack Obama on his Facebook page. They were so hurt. They were so hurt because another white man, that is Ned Stabler, president and CEO of Tech Town and vice president for economic development at Wayne State University. Please show us the two offended white people in Wayne County, Republicans, who are just so, so hurt. The, Wayne, this guy, uh, Ned, he was one of the people, Stabler, who spoke up against them. And they said that this, this, this right here, his video, his, is why they were bullied and their families were getting threats because of people like, like Ned. Um, we also know that the Secretary of State and the Attorney General have already uh, tweeted out that your legal arguments are rubbish and you're going to lose in, when it comes to court. So we're not worried about that. Uh, at all. I'm also not worried about any of your, oh, things are, are bad so we can't certify arguments because that's just ridiculous. You certified in August when they were worse. Less than 50% of the ballots were recountable. Now over 72% are. 58% uh, of them were even balanced when it was less than 30% last time. So it's doubled. It's gotten way better because the Secretary of State actually jumped in and did her job, unlike you. But I know it's not going to change your opinion. Um, you talked about not certifying Detroit even though you acknowledge that Livonia, a city, by the way, I know you know is 95% white, had bigger variances than Detroit, which is 80% black. We understand, and you've now added your name. So I, I'm not gonna try to change your mind. I just wanna let you know that the Trump stick, the stain of racism that you, William Hartman and Monica Palmer have just covered yourself in is going to follow you throughout history. Your grandchildren, are going to think of you like Bull Connor or George Wallace. Monica Palmer and William Hartman will forever be known in Southeastern Michigan as two racists who did something so unprecedented that they disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of black voters in the city of Detroit because they were ordered to. Probably, I know, Monica, you think Q told you to do it or some other crazy stuff like that. But just know when you try to sleep tonight that millions of people around the world now on Twitter know the name Monica Palmer and William Hartman as two people completely racist and without an understanding of what integrity means or a shred of human decency. You, The law isn't on your side. History won't be on your side. Your conscience will not be on your side. And Lord knows, when you go to meet your maker, your soul is going to be very, very warm. So, according to the Detroit Free Press, Monica Palmer told them that her family had received multiple threats. The threats have been made against myself, my daughter, and my husband. Reports have been filed with Gross Point Woods Police and the FBI. 
Yet the Attorney General's Office of Michigan said their office had not received a referral about such threats from a police agency, but would act quickly if such a referral is made. Hmm. They signed these affidavits because they say that they're rescinding their vote. Now, mind y'all, the vote was, we will certify the results if an audit is done. That was the agreement. They now say, oh, we rescind it because we don't think the audit is going to be done. That, act, that actually makes no sense. Joining us right now is Jonathan Kenlock. He is vice chair of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers uh, for an update on this one. Wayne, uh, first of all, Jonathan, this is really stuck on stupid. Uh, I mean, this whole deal of, oh, we got doxxed and, and we were harassed. It wasn't when Ned wasn't that a public hearing? Which means that a public hearing means you hear from the public. That's, 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 that's the absolute uh, correct uh, characterization of where we were in the agenda. We were receiving public comment and this came after, we're talking about after, um, Monica, uh, Monica Palmer had uh, was pretty much asked if we would consider a motion to certify the election and um, not include the city of Detroit votes. So when we went to um, public comment, folks were outraged. And again, and listen, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's start right there. She had no problem certifying all results in Wayne County except Detroit. That's correct. Go except ahead. Detroit. Go ahead. Except Detroit. And you, you have to realize that, just understand the backdrop of this. You had every day since the election, the Trump campaign has been filing lawsuits filing lawsuits, and in those lawsuits, they have been targeting the voters in Detroit, period. And then for her to be uh, a, an, a, an officer in this, uh, in this, uh, on this board to have asked, it wasn't something that is, is, is normally done. She asked um, for us to consider, asked if we would consider certifying without Detroit, in which I, I was outraged, and I, I, it was unacceptable. Uh, for her, and it was totally disrespectful for her to even um, let that roll off of her tongue. So when the folks began to lash into her and lash into Hartman, it was from the point of the um, motion to certify not being able to be passed because they claim all of these issues occurred that um, warrant them not doing which it, what is a minister, ministerial duty of this cam uh, canvasser. So that's something that we normally do. We get we get um, um, uh, reports from our staff stating that these communities uh, are in balance, out of balance. But you, you you are not supposed to let that cause for you not to certify, not to move forward uh, the election results to move forward to be um, fully certified by the state board of canvassers. So now she's talking about look, she wants to. Uh, she and, 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 and Hartman are saying they want to rescind their vote. They can't do that. Let me, let me say something, Roland. After we voted to certify the election, um, as we included to uh, a request to ask the Secretary of State to, to perform an audit, she basically, we also had voted to waive any reconsideration. 
So um, all of this, 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 this jockeying and, and all of this stuff here uh, is just only to appease uh, the Trump campaign. That's all what this is about. Because as soon as we voted, um, as soon as the vote failed to certify the election, the Republican Party and Donald Trump uh, immediately, immediately, I think they said within minutes, had uh, posted on social media congratulating them and thanking them for not certifying black folk votes. Now, Donald Trump uh, is calling Michigan Republican leaders to the White House, and they're going to go tomorrow, because he wants them to basically ignore the will of the voters, forget the fact that Joe Biden won Michigan, and he wants them to seat Republican electors for him. Jonathan there? I think Jonathan froze on us. Uh, let me know if we get Jonathan back, because uh, he froze on us. I got I, I got a... I, I, I got to bring in Eric Sav Erica Savage-Wilson, host Savage Politics Podcast, Dr. Greg Carr, Chair, Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University, Reese Colbert, Black Women Views. Let me know when we have Jonathan back. Um, these racists, Greg, are showing us exactly who they are. They're targeting black people. It's undeniable. And what you also have is you have black Republicans who have no courage whatsoever, no guts, don't give a damn about black people, silent, Republican Party's apparatus, silent. We're going to get to a little bit in a minute, uh, that crazy, uh, I mean, I'm talking about uh, ridiculous news conference that was, I mean, was a, if it wasn't so serious when it comes to democracy, you would have thought that crap was an SNL skit. Um, but that's what we're dealing with. We are dealing with an absolutely out-of-control, deranged man who is scared to death because he knows what's coming, Tish James. You know, he knows what he knows what's coming, Roland. I mean, it is remarkable, isn't it? This uh, this experiment we call America that is not guaranteed to continue. These people have abandoned all pretense. Mike Shirky, who is leader leader of the Miss, uh, the Michigan Senate Republican, is coming here to Washington D.C to meet with Donald Trump. They're not even pretending anymore. I mean, it was remarkable to me that, you know, 95% of the vote in, in, in Detroit went to uh, Biden and maybe about 70% of the vote in, in the larger county, of course. But the, the, the local board of canvassers, they try to hold this up and the state board of canvassers meets on Monday. And if they don't do their job, Whitmer can still select and appoint those Democratic uh, the winner, the winner of the popular election, Democratic uh, uh, delegates to the Electoral College. They're not going to be able to overturn this. However, they have now declared, damn any concept of America or democracy, our hatred for black people, we wear on our sleeves. And whether it's finally the folks in Michigan or Loeffler and them in Georgia or Lindsey Graham out of South Carolina, they are forming, you know, it's not an overreach to call them a clavering. Why? This is the language of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 mm -hmm. done dropped all pretenses. Don't count those black votes. That's it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we have Jonathan back. Jonathan, uh, Trump has actually called the Republican leaders in uh, the legislative body to D.C. tomorrow for a meeting. I mean, th this is this is this is a this is a person, a candidate who is actually trying to interfere with the election process. And we are at a place right now in Michigan history and in, uh, in, in the United States history where, you know, you have a president and a Republican Party 
who are um, making allegations as relates to corruption, but what they're trying to do is corrupt the process. It is absolutely inappropriate for the uh, president, the Republican Party, or any of these individuals to invite uh, the leaders in the House for the, for the purpose of, of rigging or to interfere with this election. Let me just tell you something that they're not taking into account. Where they could not get a writ at the county level, they can absolutely go into the courts on Monday and get a judge to order the state board of canvassers to certify the election. It is not a discretionary power that is placed upon the, uh, the county board of canvassers or the state board of canvassers. So um, at, at the end of the day, I think their gamemanship is going to fall, uh, fall flat on its face. Uh, this is just, we're at a very, very um, uh, uncharted uh, point in history. And, and unfortunately, Donald Trump finds himself on the wrong side of history. And the thing here, Jonathan, the Wayne County Board has voted. What, what the hell is the process to go, oh, no, no, I know we voted, but now we rescind. There is no rescinding. After 14 days, the purview of any sort of consideration as it relates to uh, the general election uh, is over as it relates to all county uh, board of canvassers, all 83 counties across the state loses, lose the opportunity to weigh in um, after the 14 days. It is now 100% in a purview of the state board of canvassers, who, uh, which will meet on Monday, period. So there is no rescinding, and they know this. I mean, all of this is just uh, ridiculous to even, uh, uh, to even be stating and putting out there in the public. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, Jonathan Kenlock, man, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, thanks a bunch. Uh, we'll keep watching what happens there in Wayne County. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. I want to go back to my panel here. Uh, Reese, I mean, what, what we are seeing are corrupt, thuggish individuals. That's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the likes of Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump. They are thugs. There's no other way to describe this. Well, that and white supremacists, white nationalists. I, we've been saying on this show for months, this is all about maintaining white power. And, you know, democracy or, you know, law and order, whatever kind of slogans are nothing but a pretext for them to use as long as it's convenient for them. And then when it's no longer convenient for it, the hell with it. And that's what they're showing it. This is all theatrics, but... Um, the, the, for our sake, it's wonderful that we have gotten out of cheating distance because what this has made abundantly clear is that if they were, if this were within cheating distance, we would have a constitutional crisis on our hands right now when the illegitimate president of the United States is obstructing an election tampering, that would be a crisis in terms of this country. For now, we can take it for what it is, which is theatrics. And it's transparently racist tactics. But what I'm hoping, especially Black people out there are seeing, is number one, your vote matters. Number two, that we have to vote for our own survival in numbers that are not enough just to be the status quo. We have to vote in record turnout just for our own survival. We should be noticing right now that for another thing is the silence of the people, the black rappers and the black celebrities or whatever kind of celebrities that were touting that Donald Trump was going to invest in the black community. 
Donald Trump is perpetuating the notion that black people are not full citizens within this country by laser-like targeting of our votes. He's unsuccessful, but we should take note of it, and we should take note of the people who are conspiring with him, which is the entire Republican Party. The people who have not spoken out that Republicans are cowards, and they're co-conspirators, and they're complicit. We should be taking note of that. And so in the upcoming Georgia election, we understand and we need to vote like our lives depend on it because Trump is going to be gone, but Mitch McConnell is going to be there. These same corrupt cowards are going to be there. But one thing that Republicans boss up and have the balls to do is obstruct any and everything that helps this country, any and everything that the Democrats do. They grow a pair when it comes to doing that. So we have to do everything in our power to make sure that Mitch McConnell is not the majority leader after the Georgia elections on January 5th. Um, what we are seeing here, <laughs> Erica, is, um, first of all, if you're black and if you were confused, if you were confused, <laughs> as to whether or not your vote mattered, this right here says it all. They are desperate. They are targeting black voters, black people. That's who they're targeting, pure and simple. And so if you black and you think your vote don't matter, boo, they ain't fighting that hard if your vote didn't matter. Absolutely, Roland. And then to think that they are doing this as 251,000 bodies lay dead from coronavirus and that the Senate has essentially left D.C. Um, until November the 30th uh, for recess without passing any economic, any type of stimulus package to help those very same groups of people. I also believe that this is actually serving as a wake-up call for, again, as uh, Reese said, we've been talking about this for months, to pe for people to understand that you have to engage your electors. You have to be an engaged citizen. And what does that look like? What does that mean? I'm in Georgia. So guess what I'm going to be doing this weekend? I'm going to be talking to rural voters um, because all you know, 600,000 secured ballots have deployed from the state of Georgia. And that's how Georgia was able to secure that 65 percent of that Biden-Harris coalition to push him over for and flip Georgia blue, essentially. But there's still people that during this runoff election need to continue to be enthused, that they, they need to be engaged and understand that the process for what they did in the general election starts over essentially again for Georgians as we enter into this all-important Senate election where we would have our Madam Vice President-elect casting tie-breaking votes. So, you know, again, looking at Republicans, they're not trying to engage Black people to bring them into the party. They're only engaging Black people to use them as puppets and as um, partners, as accomplices to white, as I'm now calling it, white arrogance. Um, they are not interested in um, pushing a coalition together to help uh, build, to help ensure that people are taken care of. They're interested in uh, very much so engaged in white apartheid. And so people have to understand that these are the things that can happen if, in fact, we relinquish our authority as citizens, mm -hmm. the privilege that we have to vote, what we have to do as um, partners to make sure that people around us to our left and our right and engage our vote and that we have to show up if that's every year, if that's every two years, if it's every four years, whatever that looks like in your local municipality, you have the responsibility to engage to ensure that these fractures, these fissures that do um, keep our democracy together aren't completely broken. When we talk about, again, the madness today, 
Y'all, I, I can't even call this a news conference because there was no news. Before I get to that, before I get to that, what we're really seeing right now, folks, and we do not use this word in this country, but it applies here. We are seeing a Republican coup. Oh, yeah. We, we are seeing the Republican Party, led by Donald Trump, and his minions, and his imps, try a coup. The people have voted. He's lost Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada. Joe Biden has 306 electoral college votes. Joe Biden is on his way to the most votes ever. 80 million votes. Donald Trump cannot accept losing. So what do thugs do? They act like gangsters. Roll it. The Trump administration is forging ahead with plans for a second term despite the results. This is some crazy thinking going on inside that White House. The damage of this is incalculable. We need to be really clear about what's happening. This is an attempted coup. There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. Senator, have you congratulated Vice President Biden yet? I think the president will attend his own inauguration. He would have to be there, in fact. What does a desperate Donald Trump do? He's in that typical authoritarian situation. If the leader loses, he's afraid of jail and he's afraid of the poorhouse. This is a struggle for life and death. Never in my life did I think I would like to see a dictator. But if there's going to be one, I want it to be Trump. So if you want to rip the heart out of a democracy directly, what you do is you go after facts. And that's what modern authoritarians do. Step one, you lie. And well, the Democrats are cheating on the election because that's exactly what they're doing. We will win this. Frankly, we did win this election. Step two, you say it's your opponents and the journalists who lie. The Step three, everyone looks around and says, what is truth? There is no truth. And then resistance is impossible and the game's over. You literally cannot mandate somebody to wear a mask knowing that that mask is killing people. We are watching a setup of some people who are unqualified for office to be in control of the 2.1 million men and women of the armed forces. Trump may be at the threshold of instigating a coup. He's transforming democratic politics, which is about facts and interests and values, into authoritarian politics, which is about believing what the leader says, despite everything. I'm a nationalist, okay? We do not take an oath to a king or queen, a tyrant or a dictator. We take an oath to the Constitution. Democracy doesn't win. It's the people who win when they support democracy. So, <laughs> y'all want to see the coup in action? This is Sidney Powell, a, 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 a Trump campaign lawyer, standing with Rudy Giuliani at a news conference. I, I can't even call it a news conference. I can call it a nutcase conference. I want y'all to listen to this. Heartbreaking, infuriating and the most unpatriotic acts I can 
even imagined for people in this country to have participated in in any way, shape, or form. And I want the American public to know right now that we will not be intimidated. American patriots are fed up with the corruption from the local level to the highest level of our government, and we are going to take this country back. We are not going to be intimidated. We are not going to back down. We are going to clean this mess up now. President Trump won by a landslide. We are going to prove it, and we are going to reclaim the United States of America for the people who vote for freedom. This that nutcase actually said he won by a landslide. R really? At one point during the news conference, Rudy Giuliani says, Trump won Michigan, if you don't count Wayne County. Um, it's, 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 it's kind of hard to not count a county. Here's, here's more madness. We'll watch. To any experienced investigator, prosecutor, would suggest that there was a, a plan from a centralized place to execute these various acts of voter fraud, specifically focused on big cities and specifically focused on, as you would imagine, big cities controlled by Democrats and particularly focused on big cities that have a long history of corruption. The number of voter fraud cases in Philadelphia could fill a library. Just a few weeks ago, there was a conviction for voter fraud, and one two weeks before that, which uh, really, really, mm, okay, y'all. But 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 the one that got me. Let me find this, my lord. Let me let me find this. Um, I, if y'all were wondering why Hugo Chavez was trending on Twitter today, it's because of this news conference. He's been dead seven years. Listen to the Puff Puff Pass Pass news conference. Here and uncovering more by the day is the massive influence of communist money through Venezuela, Cuba, and likely China in the interference with our elections here in the United States. The Dominion voting systems, the Smartmatic technology software, and the software that goes in other computerized voting systems here as well, not just Dominion, were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to make sure he never lost an election after one constitutional referendum came out the way he did not want it to come out. We have one very strong witness who has explained how it all works. His affidavit is attached to the pleadings of Lynn Wood in the lawsuit he filed in Georgia. <clears throat> it is a stunning, detailed affidavit because he was with Hugo Chavez while the, he was being briefed on how it worked. He was with Hugo Chavez when he saw it operate to make sure the election came out his way. That was the express purpose for creating this software. He has seen it operate, and as soon as he saw the multiple states shut down the voting at the, on the night of the election, he knew the same thing was happening here, that that was what had gone on. 
What is crazy, Greg? That that Lynn Wood lawsuit she cited about 20 minutes ago, a Republican judge rejected that lawsuit in Georgia. Now Trump and his imps are like one for 30 in court. That's how deranged these people are. Hugo Chavez, communist money coming from China, Venezuela, and Cuba. Really? Well, Roland, I think you're identifying the problem, and Erica really put her finger on it when she mentioned apartheid. Everything that happened after 1948 in South Africa under the National Party that took power in 1948 and implemented the apartheid laws was legal. In fact, they were in constant uh, conversation with other European countries, including the United States, and, and modeled some of that policy after the United States. You know, what if those judges had uh, ruled in the other direction? In other words, you know, when people say democracy is fragile, you know, my, my little quibble with, with the clip that you showed about them saying they're attempting a coup and, and this goes against the Constitution, it doesn't go against the Constitution. That's the whole point. So when Reese says the Democrats need to grow a spine, they're going to have to become a different party than they've been because they're operating with the same mythology as the Republicans, as if they are rogue. Now, I trust Hugo Chavez, and then for those who hear the name Chavez and cringe, I suggest you watch a documentary called The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. It talks about the, the coup against Chavez in Venezuela that was fomented by the United States of America. Uh, I trust Chavez, but why do I do that white woman right there? Because we don't share anything in common, other than the fact that we came out of our mother's wounds on the same landmass. There is no American concept that they're ruining. All of this is legal to the point. And when you hear the key words now when they say Democrat. They mean black people and non-white people. When yep. they say big cities, yep. they mean black controlled mayors. When Rudy Giuliani says mm -hmm. history of corruption, yep. he means post-voting rights act. When they say patriots and freedom, they're talking about white people. This is the language. Erica yep. nailed it. This is the language of the National Party in South Africa in post-1948. When they say communist, they're not talking about political ideology. Most people who are scared of communism can't spell the word, much less explain to you what it is. They are mean non-white people. These are white nationalists, and there is no structure in America that doesn't do anything other than support this kind of business. The only thing I would say now is that the Democratic Party wants to indeed, and I agree with you, Reese, if the Democratic Party indeed wants to be something different, this is the moment. This is the fulcrum. This is the turning point in the history of this little project called the United States of America. But if they loop back in and act like these people here got some rules that they all share that they can play by, what's going to come in four years is going to make right now look like a holiday. This right here is a... Um, Eric Erickson, um, Erica, uh, major conservative, right-wing, far-right, he tweeted this, the people who participated in that press conference today need to repent. He also responded to this. There was a, there was a white woman who was crying, um, Janet, Moff, uh, Janet Mefford, so apparently a Christian broadcaster. She said, the Trump campaign conference this morning gave me hope, hope that there are still some truly great Americans who love this country enough to go to the mat to save it. Grateful for Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, and Donald Trump. Lord, please let justice be done. E Eric responded, justice will absolutely be done, just not in a way something. I mean, when Eric Erickson is saying, y'all, who also is an election law expert, y'all done lost. But you've not only lost the election, you've lost your mind 
And these people cannot be trusted, including those Republicans who are silent. Sure. And I think that kind of, you know, one of the issues that I take with that is that you can't put the genie back in the bottle, right? A lot of these people who, you know, are finding some um, level of courage, they help cultivate the cult that is in existence now. Um, the people that, as, you know, Dr. Carr just spelled out for us, those words and how they translate need to be uh, played over and over again so that people can have a better understanding of the economy of language that when you hear these folks saying these things, we're talking about this global white supremacist movement, that this is not simply just about invalidating votes. This is about ensuring that there is power and that there is power in an upcoming minority group. You know, when we're, we're just talking about uh, what's happening in Wayne County and thinking about Monica Palmer, you're talking about a person who was under an active ethics investigation because she deployed her position, her oversight position on the board of uh, canvassers and um, to use it to duly influence uh, the Gross Point uh, Board of Education, um, assigning people that were going to run and using dark money packs. You know, these people are not interested in democracy. These people... Uh, have no cares about that. But this is a community of folks that have been cultivated over years and years and years. And so those trigger words, they understand that the even the most simple of their followers do understand that language. And as a part of talking about repenting, listen, these are uh, godless people, right? So to even cloak them under what I consider to my faith to be as a believer, as a Christian, what I tweet back to Marco Rubio when he... Um, um, he has had something to say about uh, Reverend Warnock, who is an upstanding man of faith. I treat it back to him to say, you know, Mark, uh, excuse me, Matthew 7, 23, which plainly says, you know, that he would say, you're going to be calling my name. And this is the Lord speaking, but I'm going to say, depart from me, you evildoers, you wicked folks, you lawless people. And he is one of those people that um, is up under that particular scripture. So, you know, that's great that he's kind of had a come to Jesus moment or he's actually speaking some level of truth. But there has to be some accounting for what they have allowed to happen, how they have uh, germinated these seeds and that they have really come to bear and that they really have no use for um, some of these conservative right wing media folks. Now they have their father of lies, their dear leader, their son of a Klansman that's leading this parade. Uh, this probably right here sums it all up, Reese. Um, Rudy, <laughs> the the evil pouring out of his pores. Y'all watch this. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, and Arizona. We more than double. Uh, his um, his hair dye was running down his face. He was sweating. More than double. I mean, that that that's what that that's what an evil uh that's what that's what evil looks like right there. Right, right. Go, no, no, no. Go, go, go hold on. Go on back to that shot. I gotta go ahead and get that shot right here. Right there, y'all. Right there. Right there. That drop the lower third. Right there. That's evil. That's evil. Right there, uh, Reese. I mean, demon spawn is melting in front of our very eyes. But, you know, the one thing I will say is, I mean, as Erica pointed out, these people don't have, they're not people of conscience. They're not people of any kind of morals or ethics. And I actually don't agree with the characterization that these people are mad. What we're seeing is a mm. propaganda campaign. 
this is very deliberate. It's sowing the seeds of, of dissent. It's sowing the seeds so that they can pass more voter suppression laws at a minimum. That's what we know that they're going to do. We know that the Republicans maintained or made gains in legislatures that will control redistricting, that will be allowed to implement um, more suppression tactics if the Democrats do not pass a Voting Rights Act in, in, um, in Congress, if they don't get back the, the, the Senate. And so this is all quite deliberate. And I think that, um, you know, characterizing it as mad, even though it is mad, it's insane in the sense of like, yeah, this, this shouldn't be happening. But they are very deliberate in what they're doing. Rudy Giuliani is charging $20,000 a day to the Trump campaign. He's getting paid off of this. This is a grift. Miss 55%, Miss White Tears. They're, they're employing every single weapon they have in the book. The white woman on the verge of tears. They're employing uh, Rudy Giuliani in hysterics. They're, they're doing everything under the sun so that they can set the narrative. And, you know, the one criticism that I would have for the Democrats, which I don't believe it's, I don't believe that they really can do much in, in terms of technic technically and legally than what they've been doing, which is wiping the floor with the Trump uh, campaign and every single lawsuit. Like you said, they're one for 30 at this point, the Trump campaign. But I do think that the messaging in terms of just how blatantly racist this is and how dangerous it is, is not as loud as it should be. It's certainly not as loud as yeah. how the Republicans are. And so I think we should absolutely be ringing the alarm much louder than what we are. And to Dr. Carr's point, we cannot play by the same rules. I'm not saying go lawless like the like the Republicans do, but you have to play hardball the same way that they have. Uh, Jennifer Rubin, actually, a former Republican, made this point very well today. It, the same way that Republicans make every Democrat seem like AOC, the big back boogie woman, or Bernie Sanders, Democrats should be doing that. Mitch McConnell should be the one of the most reviled names in the country, just like Trump is for the for half the country at least. And they just let them get away with all these things. And so I think the Democrats, you know, I'm not I'm not criticizing their legal tactics because they're successful. And I'm not saying that they should be out there, you know, Antifa versus, you know, the Proud Boys. I'm not saying to that extreme, but there should be more messaging and more pushback and more red alarm fires on this instead of what I see a lot from the Democrats and in particular from the progressive wing is all laser focused on trashing the incoming Biden-Harris administration when we have a crisis mm -hmm. in front of us right now. Well, look, I think part of the deal is um, when something is so crazy, there's no amount of engagement that you can do that's going to bring any level of common sense. And I think what, I think what the Democrats have done, I think what the Biden-Harris folks have done is say, you know what? We're going to let your crazy shine. You're going to keep losing in court. Uh, and again, I think, I think that's what they're doing. But the yeah. problem, though, what we're seeing is that the Trump people are, by design, laying landmines to screw the Biden-Harris folks. Now, but here's yeah. the problem. But here's the problem. They're limited because they control the levels of power. The reality is, by law, you know, this whole deal, until it's certified, I don't have to release anything. They can be making a lot more noise, but so, but so I, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. But the bottom line is, uh, some group should be swinging like crazy. And yeah, to me, those are House Democrats and Senate Democrats 
But they're not necessarily doing that. Speaking of uh, House Democrats, we've been talking about, of course, the Georgia race. We're going to get back. All this stuff is all tied in, y'all. The lawsuits and everything. Uh, and we're seeing all the attention right now on Georgia because of those two critical U.S. Senate races. Raphael Warnock running against Kelly Leffler. Then, of course, you have John Ossoff running against incumbent Senator David Perdue. Uh, it's all about registering people. It's all about getting the votes out. And joining us right now is Congresswoman Lucy McBath. Uh, she won uh, her very hotly contested race, and so she is returning for her second term in Congress. She also uh, has a new book out, folks, uh, and that book is, pull it up, please, uh, is Standing Our Ground, A Mother's Story. Of course, uh, we all know uh, the story of uh, her son, Jordan Davis, being shot and killed there in Florida. Uh, and the man uh, who claimed the music was being too loud, he is sitting in prison right now uh, for the murder of Jordan Davis. Congresswoman McBath, glad to have you on the show. Uh, you're seeing what's playing out with these crazy Trump people. You're seeing the lawsuits, but you're seeing the direct attack on black people. They are attacking black voters in Atlanta, in Philadelphia, in Detroit, in Milwaukee, that is what we're seeing. It is undeniable that there is a direct assault on the integrity of black voters in this country by Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Well, I mean, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Only we've got to stand up and call it out as what it actually is. And we've seen the assault most definitely in Georgia. Uh, it started, and this is the same voter suppression, everything that we've seen that we've been fighting for generation after generation after generation. You know, I think everyone saw across the country what happened to us with our, our primary elections June 9th. And that has never ended. Of course, what you see happening in Georgia now with the recount and all these kinds of things, it's simply because, you know, voter suppression is still alive and well. And we still have a blanket um, across the nation, um, just all kinds of exercises and trying to suppress our right to vote, exercise our voice as to what's important to us. We have become now as a community, you know, people of color have become a community of a major voting block in the nation. And of course, they want to silence our voices because we, as we have seen, have been able to have such tremendous power in who we elect in our national politics our state politics and our local politics. And we flipped Georgia. You know, all the work that we've done here in Georgia, that's indicative of us using our collective power, doing a, a lot of massive organizing, mobilizing on the ground. Uh, Stacey Abrams has done phenomenal work since her historic bid for office in 2018. She's over 800,000 people she re-registered and Fair Fight and all the other organizations that are working collaboratively together have done this. When we stand up and we fight and we vote, we have power. And I think that is the backlash that we see happening across the country everywhere. The, um, when you see the attacks, when you see the lawsuit, when you see uh, all these things, you heard what Reese just said right there, and that is, we get why the Biden-Harris uh, team is doing what they're doing. Uh, but Democrats also got to realize, you're not, there's no compromising with these people. There's no, you can't, because, because what they are showing, they are showing you who they are. And this whole idea of, oh, once it's all certified, Donald Trump's out, Republicans are going to go back to being, no, no, no. 
This is who they are. And to me, th to me right now, Congresswoman Bat, this is roll call. This is where you stand there and you go, let me see who spoke up and let me see who didn't. And if in this moment you are a Republican who is not condemning what they are doing, to me, those are people who cannot be trusted after January 20th, 2021. Well, I mean, you know, Roland, I think there's so much riding on, you know, the African American population right now in particular. So much riding on Democrats, the party in particular. And, you know, we know that there's so many people that continue to hurt. And there's so many Americans who, you know, they need health care and they need education and they need clean water and clean air and they still need relief checks. Uh, you know, people all across the country that still need help. But there again, I think we always have to remain focused on what's important to us, focused on the prize and, and, and stop expecting people around us to change, to make it better for us. We have to be the ones to collectively spearhead what we need. That is us. That's no one else. We can't expect anyone to come in on a white big horse and save us. We have to always be determined and focused and driven to make sure that we are creating uh, what we need to be successful. And, and that means that we have to do the work. And, the, and we just have to keep our eyes on the prize and stop expecting everyone around us to transition or to change. They may, they may not. But collectively together as a people, we have to do what's best for us and always uh, just collectively together continue to work in the vein that we know we have to. We've always had to work harder. We've always had to you know, pull our put you know put our boots put our boots on and and pull up our bootstraps and do our own work and it's no different now. Um, but there again, I think because we have done that because we have you know stood stood our ground. You know, we have shown the world, we have shown the country. You know that we are people of strength and determination, and we are taking our place right now, whether they like it or not. Uh, on that particular point, I mean, you chose to run for Congress um, after um, what happened with your son. It was a national story. Documentaries have been done about it as well. Uh, and and what ended up happening was, before this case, but even with this case, people began to learn about ALEC and the groups who, the corporations who were funding them, the people who were passing these stand-your-ground laws across the country. And also, while they were passing stand-your-ground laws, they were passing voter suppression laws as well. And it gave people an insight into how intertwined this system is against with the oppression of black people tied to corporate interests. Uh, did, did you speak to that in your book? I talked a little bit about ALEC, the American Leg Legislative Exchange, Exchange Council. Um, I talk about that because we know inextricably a lot of what happens with the gun culture um, is predicated through that as well. Uh, but we know that stand your ground is a law that can be used, you know, just based upon the perception of a threat. Oftentimes, it's not the actual presence of a real threat. Uh, and the expansion of this this law alone uh, has been used, you know, by the Republican legislature, by the NRA gun lobby, gun manufacturers. And, of course, we, we, we know it's been used by uh, the business community, the Republican business community, the white business community. I mean, it's all interconnected. I say that they're all bedfellows. Uh, and we know that this law has disproportionately affected communities of color. That's the reason why my book is called Standing Our Ground, because the Stand Your Ground law has been used 
all over the country, disproportionately among uh, uh, used against young black males and, and communities of color. Uh, so, you know, that's that's where we are. And that's the reason why I ran for office, too, because beyond just being an organizer on the ground and mobilizing for gun safety advocacy, we've got to be able to mirror the two with federal legislation and state laws as well to really be able to um, really just define how we're going to make sure that we're keeping our community safe, keeping our people safe in our own communities. And that's something that we just have to absolutely do. Uh, panelists here, got questions. First off, uh, Reese Cobra, question for Congresswoman Lucy McBath. Hi, Congresswoman Lucy McBath. I am I'm so honored to be able to ask you a question. I think you do amazing work. Thank you for your leadership. My question for you as it relates to this runoff, um, we know that what we saw in the general election was there was a disconnect in the voting habits between people who prioritize the economy versus prioritizing coronavirus. We know that Georgia is relatively a wide open state. And so perhaps some of the messaging around uh, lockdowns and mandatory mask wearing and things like that could be a bit of a turnoff. What would be your suggestion about messaging around tackling coronavirus in a way that you think resonates with uh, Georgia voters specifically? Well, I think, you know, it always should be first and foremost, listening to the experts, listening to the healthcare providers, listening to the, you know, CDC, because they've done the research, they have the data and, you know, continuing to just make sure that we're advocating to do that, um, you know, and there again, you know, like with uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, you know, she has done everything that she possibly can to make sure that she's protecting her community, protecting, the, you know, Atlanta. Um, of course, we have a governor who has thought otherwise, but uh, you know, I have to applaud her and I applaud everyone that is diligently following the science and we should be substantiating. I mean, we should be following the science that substantiates um, that, you know, the only way to make sure that we can stay safe is one, you know, make sure we're wearing, wearing masks, washing hands and social distancing. So, um, you know, we just have to continue to beat that drum because when we don't as a community, as a minority community, we die. Uh, Erica Savage. Good evening, Congresswoman McBath. Uh, such a pleasure and honor to speak with you. And congratulations on the new book. Cannot quite, uh, wait to get that from my local indie bookstore. Um, my question to you as um, a fellow Georgian, someone who is from Georgia, um, with the Senate runoff election, we were just talking about moments ago how this process for absentee ballot requests essentially starts again in a new um, and that the way that the Biden-Harris ticket won Georgia is largely through absentee ballots. What is the messaging that uh, your office that you are communicating to Georgians around ensuring that they are um, uh, making sure that they are um, securing an absentee ballot and particularly for college students, those that will uh, are on campus that will probably be leaving to come home to ensure that they have a temporary mail address to make sure that the absentee ballot goes to wherever they're going to be for their winter break. Well, thank you for that question. We're doing everything that we can in our office to help drive um, voter turnout. Uh, and as we've often said um, many times before, you know, make sure you get to the polls early or send in that ballot early. Whatever you choose to do, do it early because we know that historically when we vote early, you know, we're winning the early vote. 
And, um, you know, we've got to be able to do that to help ensure these seats. And we've got to request these ballots. We've got to request them early. I can't tell you how many people I talked to who waited to the last minute to request these, you know, vote by mail ballots. And then it was just absolutely too late. So just mm -hmm. doing everything in my power to make sure that we let people know what those voter uh, guidelines are, what those deadlines are, you know, go ahead, get that early vote by mail ballot, send it in right away, make sure that you complete it in its entirety. Don't just right. stop at the top of that ticket, Com completely follow the entire ballot. I mean, you just have to make sure that you're following every uh, semblance of a guideline or instruction to make sure you're voting properly. You know, we've got field teams throughout the state um, that are following up with people who've submitted their ballots. And I'm really excited to say that, you know, my team in particular uh, is still working with the Democratic Party of Georgia and their field team to make sure that we're working on the ground to make sure that everyone has the ability to vote. And especially young people, like you said, colleges and universities. We've got so many phenomenal universities here within the Atlanta metropolitan area and all over Georgia, and getting them to make getting getting them to make sure how important it is that they exercise the right to vote is key because they are driving a lot of these elections. The young people now, I think this is their their new civil rights movement. This is their modern day civil rights movement that they are exercising. Uh, their ability and their strength and their courage and their bravery. And they have to because this is their future that they're fighting for. Greg Carr. Thank you, thank, thank you Roland. And, and thank you, Congresswoman McBath. Um, congratulations on your reelection by a wider margin in the Georgia 6th. I mean, you, you seem to have struck on the right balance to be able to continue to build consensus. And uh, we all read the reports that they wanted you to run in this current Senate race. And I guess that really leads me to my question. I know you're a strong advocate of, of uh, education. I love that mug, by the way, the tears of the gun lobby mug you have. I love that. But, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, there's a slimmer majority now in, in the House. Um, what's your message? I think about you, Johanna Hayes, and a few others. You know, Black women who have figured out a way to kind of blend a progressive agenda with an ability to continue to expand. What's your message to the Democratic Party on what the Democrats should be doing now, not only to secure the, the upcoming election, but to begin to build a real consensus of people in this country so that we don't have to continue to play the old games of centrist triangulation. You know, you seem to have discovered a path. What's your message to us? How should we be thinking about party politics now? Uh, well, first and foremost, I mean, I think we've always, we always have to be working hard to show results for the people that elected us, you know, and really paying attention to their needs and really being, being invested. But, and, and the thing that I like to think right now, though, is that, you know, uh, you know, my, my classmates, my freshman classmates and I, particularly women of color, you know, we spoke and told our stories. And yes, we have stories, you know, and, and, and we're just like, you know, uh, any other woman that has lived experiences, uh, fa raising family, you know, uh, teaching our children right from wrong. And, and, you know, we've been invested in our communities, invested in the workforce. Uh, we've been invested in our churches, you know, uh, and so we told our stories. And I think what what America's finally beginning to recognize is that we're no different than anyone else. You know, we are as qualified. We are as capable. We have what it takes to take these seats. We just happen to be black women. Mm, thank you. All right, then. Well, Congresswoman, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much, uh, folks. Again, the book, 
please pull it up for us, uh, for our viewers, so they can be uh, made aware of the book. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Standing Our Ground, A Mother's Story. Congresswoman Lucy McBath. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks so much. Look forward to having you back. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot, folks. We come back. We'll talk about this. Another case out of Florida. Two black teens shot and killed by a cop there. A stunning, stunning story. It makes no sense. We'll talk with the family lawyer next in Roland Martin Unfiltered. This is whatever. I think what it is, is authenticity. Somebody who is going to say it just like it is, unapologetic, unapologetic, unfiltered, and they're saying, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, you know, the niceties and let me go ahead and spin it. No, I want somebody who's going to give it to me straight and say the way it needs to be said. Well, I think so. And, and you know this better than anybody else. Uh, you and I and uh, those who will speak our mind, we're going to be criticized. Uh, we're going to be attacked. But that really doesn't bother us. I mean, we've been through this. And uh, we're going to continue to go through it. And I'm just pleased that uh, we've been able uh, to send a signal to young people that we care about these issues so very much. We're not going to play politics with them. We're not going to try and hide uh, whomever we are behind the kind of language that they don't understand. And so because of that, this authenticity uh, that you're talking about is helping us to realize a whole new era. I'm John Ossoff and the path to recovery is clear. First, we listen to medical experts to control this virus. Then we shore up our economy with stronger support for small businesses and tax relief for working families. And it's time for a historic infrastructure plan to get people back to work and invest in our future. We need leaders who bring us together to get this done. And that's why I approve this message. Raphael Warnock grew up in a house full of brothers and sisters. His parents taught him the value of hard work, like me. Like me, he was first in his family to graduate from college and went on to earn a PhD. He thinks insurance companies should not be allowed to discriminate against people with pre-existing conditions, like me. Like me, Reverend Warnock knows that both parties in Washington could use some moral leadership. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I approve this message because it's time we had a senator who put Georgians first. Like me. Senator in particular irks me. A Senator Kelly Loeffler, not elected, but appointed just a couple months ago. Records show Loeffler and her husband, whose company owns the U.S. Stock Exchange, sold stock valued between $1.3 and $3.1 million. Kelly Loeffler bought and sold stock shortly after a classified briefing on the virus. They knew the market was going to tank, and they sold based on that inside information. Some of the holdings she shed were in energy, automotive, retail, and airlines. Look, Marie, it's not just what she sold, but it's actually what she bought. They bought things like Amazon, Citrix Systems, company that obviously was going to do well during a shutdown while still reassuring citizens that the U.S. was prepared. We have Americans across the country who have seen their 401ks plummet. Were you trading on inside information about what was coming? Folks, this woman is knee-deep in the swamp and she just got there. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. Hey, I'm Amber Stevens-West. Yo, what up, y'all? This is Jay Ellis and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. We have to try and get to, to young people and make them matter, especially Latinos, because like you said, we're the fastest growing demographic in the country. I myself talk to people all the time. They're like, I, kids, 
the kids in my family that are now eligible to vote, they're like, yeah, but, you know, it's it's just such a big task. It's so overwhelming. And I'm like, yeah, we're not changing the world in one day. We're just trying to make a small difference. And you do matter. Your vote does matter. All right, folks, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. The Brevard County Sheriff's Office has released dash cam video of last week's fatal shooting in Florida that left two black teenagers dead. Here's a video. We showed this yesterday. We want to show it to you again. Check this out. Stop the vehicle. Stop the vehicle. Stop the vehicle. Stop. 1033. Stop the vehicle, goddammit. Stop. Stop. Now, the teens identified as 16-year-old A.J. Crooms and 18-year-old Sincere Pierce were fatally shot by deputies who were conducting a stolen car investigation. A mother of one of the victims said her son got in the car with friends around 10 a.m. Friday, November 13th. He and his friends then started driving away when all of a sudden deputies pulled up behind them and told them to get out of the car. That's when she pleaded with the officers and begged them to not shoot her son. Officers ignored her pleas and then opened fire, killing the two teens. Both officers involved have been placed on administrative leave. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement is investigating the case, and attorney Benjamin Crump uh, will be representing both families. Joining us now to discuss this further is attorney and human rights activist Natalie Jackson. Natalie, first and foremost, was the car actually stolen? No, the car was not stolen. We actually have interviews from the young lady whose car it was. Um, her AJ Crooms was her boyfriend and he was driving her car. And I think that's really, you know, that starts where we need transparency in this case. The sheriff's department issued a statement after um, this happened on Friday. On Tuesday, the sheriff's department issued a statement saying that they were driving a probable stolen car. At that point, the sheriff knew that the car was not stolen. And I think that um, from there on, we've just kind of gone down a rabbit hole as far as what the community believes from the sheriff's department and if they're going to get a transparent and fair investigation. So where, where did the stolen car line come from? Did, did somebody call it in to say the car was missing? No, this car was never called in and reported missing. Apparently, um, and, and I don't even know if this is true, and that's the problem when you have an, a, a sheriff who issues a statement with a known falsity in it. You have to question everything else that he says. But apparently, um, they were doing an investigation of a stolen car, and they thought this was the car. Whoa. They were doing an investigation, and they thought this was the car. Yes. So they decided to pull this car over. Now, we only see the... Do, have they released the full dash cam video to show... Uh, so we have the dash cam video right here. Uh, this in, Guys, go to this video here. This in-car camera. This is... Now, stop it right there. Stop it, freeze it, freeze it. So the, the, the vehicle that they were... Uh, the two teens were driving, that's their car, correct? That is that is AJ Crooms, who was the driver. That is his girlfriend's car. And he's put and he, he's driving his girlfriend's car. She's not in the car, right? No, she's not in his car, but she's he's right. driving with her permission. Right. And so, and, and whose driveway is he pulling into? Um, 
that's in a neighborhood. So what we do have is rain cam, cam video from the neighbors um, and surveillance videos from the houses of the neighbors. So sincere, sincere Pierce, one of the teenagers who was killed, we have, picked, we have ring cam video from his house. He was picked up at his house and four minutes later he was dead. So his mother saw the whole thing. Um, so, 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 so AJ was driving, he picks up Sincere, they're going down the streets, cops pull up behind them and then they pull them over not far from Sincere Pierce's home. Exactly. Okay, roll the video guys. So if you roll the video here, you see an officer getting out of the car, the car the car is backing up, guns are drawn. So at, now here's what, guys, do me this favor, do, do me this favor here. Can you roll a video back? Cause here's what I'm trying to understand, Natalie. I didn't see police lights on. Right. So, so if uh, I'm driving the car, I mean, I know it's two cops behind me, and if I don't see police lights on, uh, guys, yeah, go. I want y'all to start and go back. I'm just trying to understand if I don't know the cops are by. So when they pull to the drivers to the to the uh, driveway and back up, I don't know, you know, who they're pulling over. Well, even more so, Roland, is that this was not a high speed chase. This was not a. The teens didn't commit any traffic violations. Uh, so. When you're ordered to get out of your car at gunpoint, what do you think? So here's my point. So right here, so right here. Okay, freeze it right there. We just showed the video. Nowhere in this video were the lights flashing. Exactly. So the car pulls over, the car turns left. There's no, there's no I, I would assume, I don't think there's any audio on here. It's not like they were on their speaker saying police pull over. So the car pulls over, now roll the tape. They don't know, but I, I, I back up. All of a sudden, I'm backing up. Boom, she's got gun drawn. Exactly. And what we know is that from seeing um, cases like Philando Castile, where he stopped and complied and still got shot. We've seen people who leave, they still get shot. So what is a young teenager supposed to do when they're faced at gunpoint with police officers yelling at them? What do they do? You know, this is, I I think that um, what's really important here is the law. So let's talk about the law in this, in this case. The law says that a police officer can fire into a vehicle if he's in fear uh, that the vehicle will cause deadly harm to him or serious bodily harm. However, the law says if he can get out of the way, he should. So what we see in this video is that the police was never in harm's way. In fact, he shot Sincere, who was in the back seat, in the back of the neck and the chest. So, and we see all the gunshots on the front and the back of, and the side of the car. This officer, the car passed right by him. He like, was never in harm's way. Right, and in fact, in fact, I'm trying to understand here, guys, go to the video right here. They had backed out of the driveway, they're in the street right here, and then if y'all roll the video, uh, if you actually take the video back, the cop, the, roll the video right there. So they pull over. The police officers are blocking the street. Exactly. So when he backs up, he's really driving to the next driveway. There's no place to go. Exactly. And again, I go, I go, I go back to the, I go back to this point here. So the cop, the cop right there on the left hand side. You see the cop freezing, freezing right there. The cop in the right hand side car, 
I think it's a woman. I think it's a woman. It is a woman. It's a yeah. woman. She retreats behind her car. Yes, and she did not fire her weapon either. Right, but but the point is, she retreats re behind her car. The cop who fired his weapon on the left, he's standing in front of the car. When the when he's shouting, he could have done the exact same thing she did, which was retreat behind the car. So if you're thinking they're gonna run me over, they're not. No, what does he do? Roll a video. He actually moves forward to the car and then fires into the car. Right, and follows the car and continues to fire into the car as he's following it. Wow. And that is what, and, and Roland, I want to make sure we understand, this is a 16-year-old boy that died and an 18-year-old boy that died. And these are boys who, sincere, like I said, he had just left his mother's house two to four minutes prior. That is, um, that is beyond and, sad. And all of this was in Sincere's neighborhood. All of this that happened was in his neighborhood. It is very sad. And I will tell you, the thing that I'm most worried about in this case is when people say, why didn't they just stop? Because as a young black or brown man in a disadvantaged neighborhood, when police pull up with, on you with guns drawn and nothing to and you have done nothing. There is a there is a there is a fight or flee mentality there. What do they do? We've seen this over and over again. So I'm flabbergasted when people ask me why didn't they just stop? This uh, this here is some video that's on Twitter that were a uh, protest that took place uh, uh, yesterday uh, there uh, in. Brevard County, uh, folks uh, folks are certainly still outraged by this. Natalie Jackson, we appreciate it. Certainly keep us uh, updated uh, on this case. Thank you, Roland. I appreciate you being the truth seeker and helping us with this. All right, thanks a bunch. I've got my panel here. Th th this Erica is, is, so, is so disturbing because again, it goes to police action. It goes to um, it goes to decision-making. It goes to, you know, you're pulling somebody over allegedly for a stolen car. We find out, no, there was no stolen car. Now, two young brothers are dead. 116, 118. Woo. Um, yeah, this is not getting any easier. And um, for anyone that is related to those families, um, my sincerest condolences, because these are two black children who had promise over their life. But again, we see actions by the state who are birthed out of slave patrols since 1704, who really don't have any oversight, who are taxpayer funded, that sign up for these positions to protect and serve, but what they actually are is executioners. And honestly, I don't give a damn what defund the police or abolish sounds like. It's time to do that. Because if anybody believes that reform is possible with people that use black faces as trigger practice and then go out and actually execute black and brown bodies on a daily basis, we make up 13% of the national population. I'm going to quote Project Pat from Cheese and Dope, just one little sentence. Use a damn fool. It's not going to happen. <laughs> there has to be accountability now.
Um, it, it is always difficult, Greg, to play one of these videos. Um, but it's also important for us as we deconstruct them. Uh, it is very difficult for <clears throat> mothers and fathers of black teens. Uh, I've got two 16, twin 16-year-old nieces uh, in my house. Uh, do not have uh, nephews who are in my house. But I can tell you right now, uh, it would be scary as hell. It would be scary as hell to every moment one of my black nephews would leave the house. I mean, you, Natalie just, the boy left the house and was dead four minutes later. Roland, um, this is the beautiful thing about life. Every moment we get to choose differently. And I know we were all thinking about it, listening to Congresswoman McBath and looking over her right shoulder. And you can see that picture of Jordan Davis, her son, back there. Um, Erica's right. I mean, you know, you're a damn fool. And, and I'm listening to Eric. I'm listening to you, sis. I'm thinking about your son. And we know that none of us are safe. Um, so I'll just say this very quickly. I'm glad to hear Natalie Jackson. Um, I certainly am confident that she not only knows the law, but is going to be in the street. To our brother Ben Crump, I would say this. You know, we got a lot of lawyers rolling in the United States and in the world. And this isn't a this isn't in any way a critique of Ben Crump, but there's a certain, there's a certain aesthetic of pleading, there's a certain aesthetic of kind of a, a, a kind of diminished capacity to exert ourselves that hardens in these narratives. You see the execution. Then you see the pleading. Then you see the idea of asserting some notion that there are some rules that are being played by. So let's set aside the, the kind of Crump universe. I, I'm just going to label it that. Again, not being critical of Ben Crump, but saying we've got to break out of this idea that there are rules. Uh, the sheriff there, shout out to Wayne Ivey, a real Klansman, uh, who just defeated Alton Edmund, a black brother who ran against him there in Brevard County, who was, uh, who, who, who was crushed. Uh, Wayne Ivey crushed him. Shout out to all the white nationalists in Brevard County who recognize that this isn't about the law. This is about your damn white nationalism. Uh, Wayne Ivey, a Trump supporter who has made videos bragging, who has told citizens to arm themselves. Um, let's be very clear. I'll end with this. Florida has the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Jaffet, Santiago, Moran, the execution of Angelo Prunes and Sincere Pierre should be given the death penalty. Yeah. And if Ben Crump doesn't call for the death penalty, I'm not talking about let's investigate. No, we all know what we saw. Okay. You know, we are heading toward the moment when Sheriff Ivey's admonition that we arm ourselves, we're going to finally hear it. And when we do, they will not be putting a car in reverse. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. And I hope you understand what I'm saying. Ben Crump, let's hear you talk a little different this time, brother. Racy. Uh, yeah, um, like Erica said, this really doesn't get any easier. And um, I mean, you know, it should not be a death sentence to not um, get everything right, right? I mean, like, you know, it's not about following every rule. It's not about, you know, presenting yourself as being not threatening. Even if they were threatening, even if they did every single thing wrong, there's no basis for executing 
these two young black men for no damn reason, like four minutes from leaving your home and you're dead. It's just, it's unconscionable. And so I think we have to, um, as a society, and I don't, I don't know if we'll get there to be honest with you, but we have to, um, change the standard. Uh, and that might sound naive. I'm sure it sounds probably naive to Erica and to Dr. Carr, but I think we do have to change the standard, at least in our society that says that, you know, that civilians have to be perfect and uh, cops can just be guns of the Navarone anytime that somebody doesn't quote unquote comply with their standards. As Miss mm -hmm. um, Hamilton stated, the the cop was easily, you know, he was he was easily able to get away. And and I and I always just wonder in cases like this, and even the case that we saw um, in uh, Georgia at, at the uh, I think believe it was a Wendy's, and I hate that I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but okay, if a person runs or if a person flees in the car, so what? You know, you have the license plate, you can track them down, or maybe you, you know... That's, that's what's so basic here. That's what's yeah. so basic here. You've got a license plate. License plate. And it's real simple. Y'all get away, don't worry about it. We gonna arrest you. Matter of fact, right. we got two cars. We will right. follow you. We gotta, no, no, we gotta that's stop. what always trips me out is that it's always like no, but, right, these, but these but right. these thugs, these thugs, look, Reese, they mad as hell right now with Warnock trying to say he called police thugs. Damn it, you call folk thugs who act like thugs. Mm -hmm. These are Klansmen, Roland. Kelly Lobster and Purdue Period. form a white. Nationalist Klan alliance after that clown Collins formed an alliance with her in the Senate. The, Purdue evoked God yesterday in this. This is the Klan. They don't look. They're not going to look for a way not to execute. That boy, that man who should be under the threat of a death penalty, Santiago Miranda, got out of that car with his gun. He was going to kill them when he came out the car. If the jury can't right. do it, damn it. Somebody in the street is going to do it. Now remember, yes. over. now remember, yes. now not only that, that particular yes. officer uh, also was, a, was, a, was arrested in, in April of this year for domestic violence. Why is he still on the streets? Because that's obvious kind of me. Why is, it, why is he still on the streets? Um, was arrested in 2007 for a felony. It was expunged off his record. How is he even a cop? That what Ivy, the sheriff of that county, has gotten praise for leading domestic violence initiative. He but was see, found. Get, go, go, go to my iPad. He was found. This name is Jafet Santiago Miranda. He was found guilty. Records from the Osceola Clerk of Court show that in 2008 he was found guilty of burglary to a dwelling unarmed as well as aggravated assault with a firearm. Then, uh, according to, uh, uh, it says, it is not clear how Deputy Miranda was able to be hired as a Brevard County Sheriff's Deputy with those charges, but the name and date of birth are a match. Also, um, again, it's not clear if, if this was from the, uh, from a, it's not clear if he was disciplined for the domestic violence charges. In January 2019, he was recognized as Deputy of the Month. He is currently on paid administrative leave while the shooting is investigated. But 
to, to Greg's point, Sheriff Ivy has come out in his defense. Those cops are commonplace. There are some good police officers, but damn it, when you hiding behind that badge, anybody puts that uniform on, puts that badge on, and stands up and back this boy right here, you're on the other team. We need to stop pretending. See, they're not shooting at people. They are shooting at animals. We are not human. They are trained. This, this is the point. And so this is going to stop when they realize that we respect our lives enough to take theirs if they threaten ours. I just hate to put it that way, but this isn't going to stop humanity. I don't want to hear no more press conferences in front of the, the, the sheriff's office talking about we want justice. And, and right. forget Black Lives Matter. You know when people understand Black Lives Matter? When they understand that you'll take their life. This is... What happens, though, Erica, when folks say that's vigilante? Um, what happens when the response is um, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth uh, doesn't work? Um, I mean, what we are dealing with and again, you're going to hear, all oh, a few bad apples. But the problem is, you got a guy with a felony arrest in 2008. His wife is a cop, was arrested for beating her in April of this year, and the sheriff is still defending him? Of course. Um, you know, Roland, I... <laughs> You know, it, we we have been in this country under vigilante law, right? And so, you know, whenever people talk about free and fair elections and, you know, some semblance of democracy, which I've used that language as well, that has not been, you know, free and fair has not been the Black experience. Not for us who built this damn country where people have been able to profit beautifully off of Black labor. So, you know, the few bad apples... Um, that is a retired commentary. We have, as Dr. Carr has said, we have a clavern that is has been activated. They've been activated for quite some time. When you have a whole group of people that enforce laws based off of Black people who had freedom to make sure that that freedom was uh, largely rejected, then you have a corrupt system. It has to be abolish it has it cannot be reformed it has to be abolished it has to be defunded and it actually has to be um what some would say reimagined but you cannot undo what people believe is their right which is as dr carr said is to really take down the animal that three-fifths compromise that three-fifths clause we're still that for a large population of people and that cannot be undone that is not the way that they see us so until that there is some real action, until there is some real accountability, we're unfortunately going to see um, our sons, our daughters, our nieces, our nephews, mothers, fathers, uncles, people in our family headline and sometimes not headline, but be executed at the hands of those people that, are, again, are supposed to be taxpayer-funded servants who go home, stay on administrative leave, they sleep lovely, they do interviews, and they still come back to work or they go somewhere else to do the same type of execution work. Uh, final comment, Reese. I don't have the answers. And uh, 
I can't express any kind of faith in any kind of reforms because at the end of the day, it's not about um, rules and regulations. It's about the lack of humanity in these people and the lack of humanity that they see in us. So I don't know. I don't have anything else to really add. Folks, uh, let's go to the case of Kwan Bobby Charles, where police are now defending the handling of his disappearance. The 15-year-old was found dead earlier this month in a sugarcane field after going missing from his family home. He was last seen with 37-year-old Janet Irvin and her 17-year-old son on October 30th. Bobby's mother reported him missing around 8 p.m. that night. However, instead of putting out an Amber Alert, the Baldwin Police Department informed her Bobby was probably at a football game. Fast forward to November 3rd, and Bobby was found dead in a sugarcane field. He appeared to have been mutilated and had several lacerations on his face. Despite how officers responded to Charles' mother, police say they didn't drop the ball and they did everything in their power to help her and Charles' family. Officers claim they started searching for Charles as soon as they were alerted of his disappearance. As for why they didn't send out an Amber Alert, well, they claim his disappearance didn't meet the criteria. Um, let's see. A 15-year-old boy dis is not home, has disappeared. I'm sorry. Reese, what criteria are we talking about? White. That's the criteria. <laughs> right. Right. That that's about it. I'm just I I, I <sighs> but also who the hell with the police department said, oh, you probably had a football game. Erica, see that's the thing for me. You're defending yourself. Who said with the police department he's probably at a football game? I wanna know that. They don't care about us. They never have, they never will. And Reese just said it moments ago, they don't see the humanity in us. And if you cannot see the humanity um, in uh, someone who is just as human as you are, then you treat them accordingly. And we've been seeing this through uh, those folks that support um, the father of lies, the son of a Klansman. We're just continuing to see it play out over and over and over again. And it's really... When are we going to be actually believe what we see before our eyes? The behavior is there. They could care less about us. That's why you have a whole um, wing that was uh, started by two black women for black and missing children because, uh, you know, black children uh, are not as uh, paid as much attention to as their non-black counterparts, that they are actionable women that ensure that the faces of black people that are missing are across social media and that they're talking about it in media. And so that, that, you know, for me, this is, I'm at a loss for words because it is so exhausting and you just feel the collective grief and pain of just all of our black brothers and sisters where this is a record that is constantly on repeat. They don't give a damn about us. They haven't and they're not going to. Um, Greg, this is actually, I went to the, um, Amber Alert website. Th this is actually what they say is the criteria that if law enforcement believe that an abduction has occurred and they believe that the child is in imminent danger of seriously, bo serious bodily injury or death. Okay. Here's the problem. You can't ascertain if the person was abducted, if they're not home. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, the kid there's a fear. Okay, fine. Don't call an Amber Alert. Say there's a missing child. 
Negro Reese, Reese said it, white. And, and Erica said, they don't care about us. And, you know, here's the thing about law. You just, and one thing, Roland, that you do over and over again, I really respect you for it. <laughs> you lead the viewers, you lead us through the text. So you remove places to hide from people who might claim there's some ambiguity in the plain language of the statute, of the law, of what people have said. What you're doing is establishing that there is a standard should you choose to embrace it. But as Erica has said, when you have decided that these people are not human, you, assign, you decide that whatever language you read doesn't apply to that group. And so then our only really choice is to create a situation where that language does mean something by taking control of the apparatus of power. Now, we can debate which ways to do that. But at the end of the day, when you show that boy, I think of your nieces who are, you know, I know your nieces. I and mean, one of them was my student, right? I mean, they work with you. I think of Erica's children. I think of my niece and nephew. And, and, and the thing finally that really strikes me is that if it were my niece and nephew, that that was the picture of that, I would be going to jail. Um, mm -hmm. But I would be going to jail with the blood of whoever did it on my hands. And, and I would revel in jail. Mm -hmm. I could read, I'd write, I, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, but, but I would be comfortable whatever life I would have to leave until the end of my life. And my question then to us is, what is it about us that looks at a child like that and doesn't see your niece and nephew or Erica's son or my niece and nephew? What has come over us so that every time these staunch murderers, whether they be police in the street, whether they be Mitch McConnell and them who just trying to put some more people on the Federal Communications Committee today, pass four more judges, Elizabeth McDonald, what is it about us that, you know, we don't see chinless Tom Cotton down there in Georgia uh, with his Klan friends running for this Senate. How come we can't see them for who we are? they are? And how come we can't look in the eyes of our own children and make a decision that either we are going to transform this society or there ain't going to be no damn society? Because they've already shown us that that is the line they've drawn. Damn any more sacrifice of our blood for this imaginary place called America. They're going to kill us until they run out of bodies, until we stop them. This is um, so. This is this is quote. This is Bobby Charles. That's that's how Bobby Charles left home. Uh, I'm warning everyone right now. I will give you 20 seconds to turn away. Um, I did not want to have to show this. Um, if you want to, um, I see, see Erica turn her computer off. I totally understand. Um, this, go back. This is Bobby Charles. This is also Bobby Charles. That is what is happening to our children. And this is not, this y'all is 2020. Emmett Till was 1956. There is no difference. Bobby Charles was lynched. The family, the family is now trying to pay for their own autopsy. The, the, the lawyers uh, released a statement uh, stating uh, that the family is having to undergo um, financially uh, put together their money to have their own autopsy. Um, the thing that is still amazing, that's crazy, 
that's ludicrous, that's outlandish, is that the folk who picked him up, not in jail. Not in jail. And that's where we stand. And if they were in jail rolling, they put a GoFundMe up and the Klan people and a billionaire too would overflow the fund. And these people got to pay for it all the time. My God. We talk about what happens here with um, um, with these folks, but we got to remember when we talk about these police officers, not everybody, not every cop, is white. Joseph Mensah, the Milwaukee cop responsible for fatally shooting three people over the last five years while on duty, has resigned. Has resigned. In February, Mensah shot and killed 17-year-old Alvin Cole outside of the Mayfair Mall. Cole was running from the police with what police say was a stolen handgun. Cole pulled the handgun out while running from the police and accidentally shot himself in the arm. He allegedly pointed the gun at Mensah when he was told to drop it, and that's when Mensah opened fire, killing him. But Mensah, y'all, has a very nasty track record. His last day is November 30th. This guy has actually killed others. He has not been on the force for a very long time. This, Reese, is where we talk about not white, but blue. Right. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it's just it's just a pattern. It's just a pattern. It's a culture that is pervasive and it transcends race. Uh, obviously, you know, it's more pervasive to me from the um, from from white racists. But white nationalism, white supremacy is not a strictly white ideology ideology. There are black people that are foot soldiers of white supremacy. And so you know, it's it's a culture and, you know, he I'm actually a little surprised that he just simply resigned because a lot of times when when black people do this or even sometimes Latino, depending how white presenting they are um, or not, usually they they do suffer more consequences than their white counterparts do. But, you know, the victim was black in this case. So that, you know, obviously gets them off a lot more versus if it were a white woman like um, the diamond person, I think that was and. Uh, when you know that that black cop went to jail, but it's 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 just it's sickening, and I, I mean I, I just I just don't have the answers. Now, here's what's unbelievable. This is from um, a local TV station in Wauwatosa. Wauwatosa police officer Joseph Mensa to be paid $130,000 as he resigns from police department. Uh, according to uh, this statement here, uh, all pay uh, earned and not paid the date of resignation. So uh, he is walking away. According to this agreement, uh, Mensa is entitled to all unused and unpaid accrued vacation time, accruing vacation, overtime, professional leave, and longevity per his bargaining agreement through the date of resignation. He is also entitled to all pay earned but not paid through the date of his resignation on November 30th. The city has also agreed to pay Mensa severance payments equivalent to 13 months pay through December 31st plus Mensa's share 
of the cost of health insurance continuation. That adds up to $19,500 in deferred compensation and a one-time severance payment of $15,000. Both payments will be taxed as required by law. The previous payments from the city, of, to, from the city to Mensa add up to a total of at least $45,000. So along with, with severance, along with benefits, Mensa is going to walk away after killing three people in five years, Erica, with $130,000. Of course he is. And this is the culture as we, um, we see Reese just lined out, you know, that whole blue wall. And this is why calls for defund the police, you know, don't give a damn how that messaging hits um, or abolish. That's why that call is so strong, because um, you, you're talking about it. You said it, you know, when you were reading over Rowling, I heard the word entitled. And so they are entitled to kill civilians at will. And that has to be broken. Greg Carr. In the words of our brother O.C.A. Jackson and F. the police, they have the authority to kill a minority. So, uh, you know, Eric is right. They're going to be transformed. It won't be at the federal level because the Democrats have shown they don't have the will. Although there are increasingly more and more people being elected to the national legislature, people like Cori Bush and Jamal Bowman and others who are going to push them on the federal level. This is going to happen at the local level. And uh, I don't know uh, who that officer is, but I know his last name is Ghanaian. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we did a little digging that he may have a little special relationship with, with the police and the citizens there. Um, or not. I don't know him, but I know that last name is Ghanaian, which speaks to what Reese said. It isn't about where you're from. When you don that uniform, you take on another identity. And there's a reason why, you know, we, 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 as you started with Trump and all this stuff going on with the election and him, it's not really about the election. As you say, he is stoking the fire. He is continuing to give a focal point to a rage that has suffused the entire society. So what he's saying is, it's okay, y'all. Your primal scream. Do what you want to do. And so he's going to take that $130,000 cushion, relocate somewhere, and he's going to, somebody's going to give him another badge and gun, and he's going to continue his process. And I'll end with this. The one shining light in this story, and it's, it's, it's certainly relative, is the fact that the police union negotiated that in collective bargaining. But the Democratic Party, if they want to continue as a unified party, need to understand is that labor, what you showed us over and over on this show, lay, organized labor is one of the keys to changing this entire situation. If people say they're against unions, however, when it comes to the police union, they somehow look the other way, you understand that that type of collective bargaining power needs to be held by every union in this country. And if you are working, you need to be a member of organized labor because he's walking away with something that has been given to him, not because of him as an individual, but because of how that society, how that community, how this country has viewed police unions. Drop the police off and treat all unions that way. There's a lesson in there, small though it is, about the power of organized labor. Absolutely. Got to go to commercial break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk COVID-19 in the United States. That is next. Roland Martin Unfiltered. When you hear about sisters like that, who are modern-day Fannie Lou Hamers, modern-day Septim Clarks, modern-day uh, Diane Ashes, how does it make you feel? <laughs> Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I'm just like, um, uh, 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 uh. 
You know who I like? Angela Rye. Mm-hmm. And I think because she speaks to the voice of this generation. Mm -hmm. So she's young enough to to still remember what that is, but yet old enough to be able to speak it in a way in which we respect as well. I think it's time for women to stand up. I think behind a powerful man is also a powerful woman. I think and believe in being evenly yoked, and I believe in teamwork makes the dream work. So you can't do it by yourself, and it's been proven. So now we have to stand up. We have to, being a new millennial woman, you got to be able to be independent. So if you're independent and you're standing by yourself, you have to mobilize each other and say, okay, I need you, I need you, and us together is more powerful together. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph. Hello, everyone. It's Kiara Sheard. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Seek.com. They're supporters of our show, and they have two fantastic products: this virtual reality headset right here, uh, and the 360-degree 4D headphones. With the, with the virtual reality headset, if you want to watch the VR content on Seek.com or other 360-degree video, all you gotta do is just get one of these headsets, pop your phone right in, and you can actually be right in the room where the content was shot. It's actually really, it's really compelling. Uh, uh, it's really compelling uh, content there. One of the things that I also love about it is, uh, Ken, watching this video, people who've been hang gliding on roller coasters and things along those lines, and you literally feel like you're right there with them. They also have, of course, the headset, which you can use for gaming, for music, for videos, you name it. Uh, it's a uh, Bluetooth. Uh, amazing sound, tremendous bass, and literally the sound goes all across your head. Mary Spiel, a sister, she is the founder of this company. She actually uh, also designed and created these tech, these um, products right here. If you want to get one or both, or even subscribe to Seek.com and their VR content, simply use this promo code RMVIP2020, RMVIP2020, uh, and you can do so. And so we certainly, again, appreciate them being partners with us here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, as of today, there are over 11 million cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. More than 250,000 people have died from the virus. The CDC predicts the country's COVID-19 death toll could reach upwards of 300,000 people by the end of the year. In New York, schools will close again as cases continue to spike. President-elect Joe Biden spoke with frontline workers and informed them that the Trump administration is holding this country back from moving forward and getting the virus under control. We should be further along. One of the problems that we're having now is the failure of the administration to recognize the law says that the General Services Administration has a person who recognizes who the winner is. And then they have to have access to all the data and information that the government possesses to be prepared. And it doesn't require there to be an absolute winner. It says the apparent winner, the apparent winner. And uh, we've been unable to get access 
to the kinds of things we need to know. Medical experts warn if Trump administration doesn't cooperate with Biden and his team, then we will see more COVID deaths in this country. We need to all be pulling together now to make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. Um, if we don't, we may end up with um, unnecessary hospitalizations, unnecessary chronic disease, unnecessary death, and unnecessary empty chairs at holiday tables. Uh, but not only that, Greg, uh, we also are seeing here reports that of how the Trump people are really trying to screw the Biden-Harris team as much as possible. Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, is now calling for the Fed return money that was sent to them, also ending some emergency loan programs, not willing to extend them through the year. They want to end them at the end of the year to make it harder. So now the Biden folks got to restart the programs. We're still in a crisis. Then, uh, according to one of the, one of the uh, advisors, they told CNN that they are purposely purposely with the pullout of troops in Iraq, with what's happening, trying to potentially bomb Iran and other things, they're actually trying to create more national security issues for the Biden people as well. These, these corrupt thugs, what, this is the equivalent of setting the entire government on fire, burning everything with a new administration coming in. And I remember the lie when Republicans said the Obama people removed the keys from, from uh, you know, whatever the hell they, they tried to make up. It was, it was a lie. It was an absolute lie. But this is a literal attempt to decapitate the new administration before they even walk in. Absolutely. And, and I congratulate them on spelling out for anyone, taking away anyone, taking away the excuse anyone gives that we live in a country. When they say America, they mean them. That's what they mean. And so this is a strategy in terms of the administrative side to sabotage this administration. If they can get through the 24-month period, come back to the midterms and try to reassert. This is the white nationalist party strategy. When they are the minority, they are completely obstructionist. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that the incoming administration will try to reach across the aisle. What they need to do is immediately put Lindsey Graham up for ethics investigation because he's interfering in elections. If Lopter is reelected, she needs to be put out. But they're not going to do that because they think they live in a country. See, the problem is Mnuchin and them understand what America is. That's A. Philip Randolph said. You get what you can take and you hold on to what you can maintain to hold on. In other words, this is about power. The census reported today that they don't think they're going to be finished until the third week of January at the earliest. That's putting it just outside the reach. But what did Trump and them want to do? They wanted to not count people who are not citizens. The damn Constitution says every person in the country. What does that mean, finally? That means that these people understand something fundamentally about America that apparently a lot of people, including the 44th president of the United States, looking at his new biography, simply, simply don't get. When they say America, they don't mean you. And if they're not in charge, they will destroy it or obstruct it until they're back in charge. Until we grasp that fact, we're going to be victims. Amen. Um, it's, it's real clear what they want to do, Erica. Uh, they want to blow everything up. They don't, they don't care about a transition. They don't care about continuity of government. They don't care about nothing. And Republicans are standing idly by, including folks like Senator Mitt Romney 
and they say they, and they're saying and do nothing. That's why I that's why I couldn't trust any of them to do a damn thing uh, post uh, inauguration. Absolutely, and I'm glad you brought up post inauguration. Um, but let's go back to right after inauguration. All of us are in the DMV area, and remember the National Harbor uh, across the the uh, the river there where. Uh, Steve Bannon, the former chief strategist for the regime, clearly outlined what their whole premise was, and that was to deconstruct the administrative state. That is what was televised. That is what was shared with everyone in that crowd and across this nation. And that's exactly what they've been about the business of doing. I don't think that there should be an expectation of anything less than that. And that that has been a fulfilled prophecy up to this point with 251,000 people and counting. And this is just from COVID that are attached to their backs. Uh, I agree with Dr. Carr. They will stop at nothing. And they are absolutely going to run through the tape on this. Uh, Reese. And why not? <laughs> they, don't, they don't have souls. They don't have consciences. They don't believe in any kind of shared um, uh, benefit to society. It's only, like Dr. K said, what can they get and what can they hold on to and what can they take away from other people? That's literally the whole point of the Republican Party's existence. And they get away with it time and time again. When they shut down the government, both sides get blamed. When they obstruct um, every single thing that uh, the Democrats try to do, both sides get the blame. When Mitch McConnell holds out for stimulus relief so that corporations can go liability-free to create as many unsafe conditions as possible for workers, both sides get blamed. And the Democrats half the time spend, uh, you know, depending on which faction you want to talk about, I won't say, but I'll say this, Democrats half the time and, and throughout this since the time that Biden and Harris have won and be, have been declared the projected winners, have spent more time uh, already bedwetting and, 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 um, and attacking the incoming administration for picks that haven't even been announced yet. And so this is where the Republicans are very, very smart. They're much smarter than us as Democrats because they understand that they can do whatever the hell that they want to do. They can create whatever kind of reality that they want to create and nobody's going to do a damn thing about it. And I don't mean it in the terms of that the Democrats are cowards or that the Democrats are feckless and that they're just letting people run, over, run all over them because they're that weak. But because they understand that in our society, the facts don't matter. Accountability doesn't matter. It's just what you can convince people of. And so, yeah, if, you know, uh, Donald Trump managed to convince 10 million more people to vote for him, despite the fact that at the time we had over 200,000 people dead from a virus that he refused to do anything about to maintain or to contain. And so why not? What's stopping them? It's a winning strategy for them. If it, it, it does, it, and with with a minority rule in terms of their their party is almost exclusively white, and yet you know they get away with it. They they manage to hold on to the Senate for now. They manage to make gains in the House for you know very you know not enough to win it back. They manage to make gains in state houses across the board, and right. it's not because that the Democrats were performed poorly. I mean Joe Biden and Kamala Harris got record turnout but because they are managing to galvanize their base of white nationalists or people who either don't give a damn about white nationalism, they just give a damn about individualism. So there's nothing really stopping them at this point. And unfortunately, Americans are going to continue to die at alarming numbers. All right, folks. You know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow, the clip. Why? I got you, All Tillman, San Francisco, says her neighbor has been spouting racist rants in the building's hallway for years. She finally decided to confront him, and lucky for us, she captured all on video. Do you ever shut the up? Ever shut the up in front of my door with your racist every day? You are this Asians that. To go live in Asia. <laughs> Funny how it's a white country. 200 years of white supremacy. If you thought Asian lives matter, they don't matter to us one bit. So, uh, Reese, um, she confronted him. He, he, he was, he, a local station interviewed him. He made it clear, hey, uh, we should only look, only look at white. I only care about men. Uh, I don't care uh, about Asians, black people. Uh, I mean, that, that's the whole deal there. Uh, to me, if you're the building, you boot somebody like that out. I mean, th this is an unrepentant bigot. And why not be? <laughs> it's Trump's America for now. So what's the point of even hiding? Come on out. Wave that flag. Wave that white supremacist <laughs> flag so everybody can see it. What, what, what's what's going to happen? I mean, you know, for a while there, we had a decent run with people going viral and all oh, this person lost their job and then they passed the Karen Act or whatever else in some places, but what's stopping them? You can't reason with these people. This is what they believe. Uh, look, I mean, this and this is a liberal San Francisco, Erica. Child, liberal, progressive, all these cute terms. These folks are white. Okay. The beginning <laughs> and end of the day, they are absolutely white. They relish in their whiteness. They are 1000% white. I don't care if they marry somebody black. I don't care if their best friend is black. These folks are white. And I'm with Reese. Let your freak flag fly. Let everybody see who you are. Um, because, you know, <laughs> at some time um, in the very near future, you will be the minority. And I'm wanting to see how bold that they are going to be when that time arrives. Before, you know, the time being, this is just par for the course. And, and this is nothing that um, it definitely is surprising to black folks. Uh, absolutely there, Greg. I mean, it's like, look, I mean, this is, this is what we see. This is, I mean, bottom line is, these folks out here, uh, and that's why rolling the video is so important. And you know what? Well, yeah, confront his ass. Confront him. Every time. You run up on a racist, confront him. Roland, this has been a harrowing two hours we've spent this Thursday. Mm -hmm. All of those heavy yeah. stories. All yeah. of that. And so Ooh. to end on this note, it just reminds us, everyone watching, the thousands who are watching, this is why you have to support Roland Martin Unfiltered. Because when we leave this space in a second, and you look at this commercial in news entertainment media, not only are you not going to see any of these stories, the ones that talk about the same subjects, you're not going to hear any of this conversation. And, and if you watch that other BS long enough, you might think that's reality. That white man, Reese, I'm with you. Reese didn't had enough, y'all. It's like, look, Donald Trump, what has he said different from Donald Trump? Nothing, except... What Trump is doing, McConnell and them, they have weaponized this man, and now he can just walk the halls. Yeah, he's in San Francisco, but they have priced out the kind of people that wouldn't film that. 
That dude would have been laid out in San Francisco 30 years ago. First of all, they'd have right. been like, we ain't going to complain to nobody. You ain't going to hear him no more, sis. Is that him? Good. We got that. <laughs> and you wouldn't have heard no more talk from him. You wouldn't even seen him no more. Now, they wouldn't have heard him, but he would have been removed from the situation. But we're now living in a country where if that sister were to call the police, they may come in there and shoot her. Great point. Was never a country. So the important thing is to understand either this thing gonna be reconstructed from the bottom up, or it's gonna be war in the street. Because white boys like that talking, you know, they get hands in a lot of places. Uh, and we can do this here, <laughs> folks. Uh, about, let's see here, uh, eight minutes ago. Go to my iPad, the Associated Press. They have called yep. Georgia for Joe Biden. They said that after another recount, bottom line is, this race is over. Joe Biden has won uh, Georgia. And trust me, MAGA world is sick of uh, pooping in their pants trying to figure out how in the hell do they flip a red state. I told y'all, y'all keep playing with fire. And so here's the deal. Y'all keep going after Warnock. Y'all keep trashing him. You keep no, I'm telling you right now, we coming for y'all, every single one of y'all. Then I saw this story where they said Laura Trump, she might be, she might run for the U.S. Senate seat in North Carolina. Oh, we gonna come for your ass big time. <laughs> oh, let's just be real. Let's just be real clear, uh, Laura Trump. We gonna come for you. And so, folks, uh, we're gonna be on top of this stuff. We're gonna be covering these stories. That's why we are here. To, to Greg's point, uh, look. I know it's difficult. I know it's tough. But here's the other piece. That story out of Florida, look, they're not spending time covering these things uh, with what's happening. Now, they're not, they're not having Natalie Jackson on uh, or Ben Crump on talking about these stories. That's why this show matters. That's why it matters where we actually control the narrative. We control the conversation. I don't have to ask somebody's opinion or ask them, can we please cover black stuff? No, that's not happening. And so that's not how we roll. So we're not we're not following what everybody else do. Sure, I got the news on in here. We don't follow what they do. You know, MSNBC right now got an exclusive with Barack Obama about his new book. Now, y'all know Obama not going to come talk to me. <laughs> Never. <laughs> and I ain't got nothing against Never. him, but I'm just saying. That's a mainstream. You might mess around and Skype in Jeremiah Wright. I'm just saying, that's a mainstream thing. I'm the kind of questions I'm asked gonna be a little different than what everybody else asking. I'm just saying. So the bottom line is that's why we matter. That's why we need y'all to support what we do. We have more than 15. Let me, uh, you know what? Some folks sent some checks in the day. So Gregory Smith, uh, thank you for your check. Uh, let me thank uh, W. Matthews and J.A. Matthews uh, for your $100 contribution to the show. Uh, thank you, Roland Martin. Keep up the good work. Uh, Walter and Joanne Matthews. I appreciate that, Walter and Joanne Matthews. Uh, let me thank Melinda uh, McAfee uh, for your $50 contribution. Let me thank uh, here Carolyn Vaughn for your contribution uh, as well. Roland Martin, do not stop your show. Love Carolyn Vaughn. Well, Carolyn, that's why we do what we do. Uh, folks, y'all can give via Cash App, which is dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. More than 6,000 of y'all were watching the show today on YouTube. Y'all can give right there on YouTube as well. Uh, Zale, you can send to Roland, the email is Roland at RolandSMartin.com. You can send me money order to New Vision Media Inc. NU Vision Media Inc. 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, and so, Chelsea, bring my hat out of my office. 
Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and do this here. And so uh, y'all three, uh, the first ones where I get to tell. So we have, uh, first of all, y'all, let me tell y'all, right. the panelists who we had on our show uh, have been unbelievable. They volunteered their time to do this here. Uh, and, so, um, and, and so I appreciate their contributions on the show as well. So what's about to, what's, what's about, about, to, about to happen is this here. And so it already, first of all, the company kind of messed it up. But so y'all see, I'm rocking, I'm rocking the zip up today. Uh, they kind of messed it up because the color's orange. Y'all see my my logo's red. Uh, so they sent <laughs> they sent the new order. So so all the regular panelists on our show. Okay, I was gonna surprise them, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it right now since uh, Greg, Reese, and Erica on. Uh, and all the panelists on our show. Uh, are going to receive one these these zip ups we have right here. They're gonna receive a hoodie. They're gonna receive uh, one of these baseball caps right here. All right. Then they're gonna receive a beanie, uh, and then also a t-shirt and a sweatshirt. Uh, so each of our panelists are gonna receive that. Uh, and so, again, we thank them for all they do. We thank uh, the Appreciate three of you. you uh, and so uh, that will be, uh, so y'all, all my parents are gonna be getting an email from Jackie uh, asking for y'all sizes and asking for the address. <laughs> so I need y'all to answer the damn email timely so I can mail these things out next week. Okay? okay? <laughs> all right. Thank you. That's how, I ought to make you black folks drive by and like have a right. tent outside and just say here. Uh, so we'll work that thing out. And so I appreciate it. Folks, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Three of y'all, y'all have a great uh, day. We got to go. Holla! Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.